You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Yes, we are so excited about our Christmas box and amazing. Can I say congratulations to every single one of you again for yesterday's massive effort? Come on, man. $23,500. That beats any record for any international food festival, I think by twice that we have ever, ever held before. So absolutely incredible. Today I am wearing uh, the Union Jack. Uh, Fun fact, I am not a New Zealand citizen. I'm a citizen of, I was going to say the British Empire, but that doesn't count, eh? The United Kingdom. (laughs) I know my nation, as you can see. All right. (laughs) Hey, we're continuing in our series today, and uh, man, what an amazing time we have had in Psalm 23, haven't we? It has been so, so wonderful to dig a bit deeper into this scripture. And listen, if nothing else, we have each, we should each be able to memorize this scripture now. We should all know it off by heart, this beautiful passage, for the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He makes me lie down uh, by peaceful streams. What did I say? He leads me besides the water's done that one. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are close beside me for your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me or pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's our Psalm 23, and each week we've we've looked at it and we've unpacked it, haven't we? And we've taken just a deeper look at each and every one of the scriptures, and we've come to our final one today in verse 6. But before I take you to verse 6 with International Sunday, I'm so excited about this. And you know what? I I love our church. I love the many different nations and the many different cultures that make up who we are. And I think it's incredibly significant and important to who we are that we acknowledge and celebrate that we are made up of a people of many nations. And as we think about that today, and as we think about this verse 6 in particular, uh, I want us to take, I want to take us to a different story first. I want you to join me in Mark 11. And if we go to Mark 11, we've, we've just read that Jesus has entered Jerusalem, the triumphant entry. Do you remember on the donkey with the palm leaves? The triumphant entry, Jesus has just entered Jerusalem and he comes with his disciples to the temple. And it says that as he went into the temple, he began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple. He was teaching them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of thieves. Some of you may be familiar with that passage when Jesus walks into the temple sees a marketplace, that, that has, the temple has been turned into a marketplace, and he begins to flip tables in response to this. And whenever I read this passage, I think to myself, okay, what on earth is happening here? Like, what is going on? Jesus, whom in the lullabies and the, the, our kids' Bible stories and in our Christmas songs, 
tells us that, that this is a meek and mild Jesus, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. And yet here, we're given this picture of Jesus who flips tables. A Jesus who in some translations it says fashions a whip and drives people out of the temple. Like that's a different kind of Jesus to the one that we so often talk about. What is happening here? What has made Jesus so mad? What has made Jesus so frustrated, so upset? And something tells me that it's a little bit more that when someone, than when someone comes and puts a dirty dish on the bench after you've just spent half an hour wiping down the benches and putting all the dishes away. Because I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me want to flip the dining room table every now and then. <laughs> but Jesus is not like us. He is slow to speak. He is not quick to get angry. He, he is not without self-control. He doesn't just lose it like we do in our humanity. So we have to ask the question, what's going on here? What's happening here that Jesus would respond in this way? And listen, if we're going to understand what it was that is happening here, we first must understand where Jesus was when it happened. And so let's look at where it happened. You see, in the temple, there were specific courts designated to different people for their worship. There were courts that were designated for Jews. There were courts that were designated for women. There were courts that were designated for the priests, and only those people could go there. But this particular court, if we look into where this story took place, this particular court was designated as the Gentile court. It was the Gentile court. It was set aside specifically for people of all, for all people of all nations to come and worship the Lord. This particular court was for all non-Jewish believers. It was for all Gentile believers who believed in the one true God, and it was set aside as a place for them to come and worship, for them to come and pray, for them to come and connect and commune with the Lord. And this was the space that had now become the hustling and bustling marketplace. It had become a thoroughfare. It, be, it had become a, a shortcut for people. It, be, it had become a place of cheaters and swindlers. And Jesus was responding this way. He was flipping tables and fashioning whips because not only was this place robbing people financially, but in fact, more importantly to Jesus, it was robbing people of their connection and their communion with God. He had set this place aside of people that, that, that of all nations, didn't matter if you were Jewish, but of all nations, all people could come and have connection with their Lord, could pray to God, could worship God. Jesus' anger in this moment reveals his ferocious and his fervent desire for relationship for relationship and communion with all people from all nations. And that is still his desire for the church today. And it is what I love about our church today. And it is what I believe when our founding pastors planted this church, I believe that was in their heart, that people from, of all people from all nations could come and find a home here. This, is, this place should be a place where any Gentile believer can come and commune with God, where any person can come and worship, where any person can come and pray to the one true God. And this idea 
of communing with God in the house of God is exactly what the psalmist was talking about in Psalm 23, verse 6, our verse for today. That when you look through the Psalms, what you realize is that David, the psalmist, was passionate about the house of God. And we see it here in this verse. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And when I looked into this passage and I studied it throughout the week, I realized that this concept of dwelling in the house of the Lord was actually a threefold concept. And it paints a picture for us of God's heart to be with all people from all nations, that we would be able to come together. And I want to uh, speak to you about the three pictures I believe it paints. The first one is this. It paints the picture of a place. The picture of a place. See, this verse gives us the image of a physical house of the Lord. When you read it, that's what you think of, don't you? Probably the first thing that comes to mind is a physical house of the Lord, a place of worship. And it is a reminder to us of time spent in the house of God. This is my favorite subject. I love the house of God. I have always loved his church. And so I'm so excited that I get to preach to you today about the house of God. The psalmist is consistently and constantly speaking about his great passion for the house of God. In fact, in Psalm uh, 84 verse 10, it says, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God than live a good life in the houses in the homes of the wicked. A single day in his courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Here is what I've discovered about my own life. If I want goodness, unfailing love, and mercy to pursue me all the days of my life, then I must position myself and my family in the house of the one who provides it. Now, you could either not agree with me, or you could just take my word for it, or you could test it. And I guarantee you that you will find blessing when you commit yourselves to turning up in the house of God week in and week out. How do I know? Because it's my testimony. I know because I have been positioned, I have been planted in this house since I was five years old. And from that very young age, I just knew, I don't know what it was, but from a young age, I just knew that when I was here, I experienced something of God that I didn't get out there. And I realized my salvation here. I found my salvation here in the house of God. I met grace here. I learned repentance here. I discovered my purpose here. I get to sit under the word here. I have had my faith restored here. I was baptized here. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit here. I have been surrounded by community here. Come on, somebody somebody else knows this same story. I, I find my grounding here. I hear the truth of God here. I am ministered to here. I am encouraged here. My faith is built in this place. I experience an encounter with the living God when I am here. I am blessed here. Not only am I blessed here, but I am able to be a blessing when I am here. I get to know him here. I am renewed here. I could go on and on and on. And I know that you could also go on and on too. And can I just say this? And maybe I'm preaching to the choir here because you guys are all here sitting under this word. But many of us today are worried about 
the values of the world that we live in. Many of us are concerned about our children growing up in this world with the values that are out in the world. And we want our children to be raised in the morals of the faith that we have grown up in. Am I right? And yet, what I know is that the only way I can teach my children to value the things of God more than the things of this world is if I show them by my own example that I value the things of God more than I value the things of this world. And so I don't want to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell us all what to do today. Listen, as I said, I could be preaching to the choir, but if church is not a priority for us and our family, then we need to get back into the habit of going to church every single week on a regular basis. See, it's so easy, it's so easy in the different ups and downs of life to let church also ebb and flow out of our lives as well. See, often it's in difficult seasons, isn't it, that we struggle to get ourselves to church. And look, I know. I know the reality of when you struggle to get out of bed and out the door each day, let alone get yourself up and off to church each day. But I can remember a friend of mine who lives in Australia. She's also a pastor. And I remember her telling this story of, of her children's reaction. And this happened just one week after they lost their father to cancer. She's got four children, all aged between like 15 and seven, and her husband had just passed away of cancer only a week or so prior to this particular Sunday. So they were very much in the place of deep, dark grief and loss. It was Easter Sunday, just a week after he passed, and she said to the kids, do you guys want to go to church or we don't have to? We don't have to if you don't want to. She said they looked at her like she had gone crazy. And they said, but why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? It's what we do. It's what we've always done. It's who we are. And I need you to know today that even on your darkest day, the very place you need to get up and drag yourself to is the house of the Lord. It's the house of God. Because what you find in the house of God is the very thing that you are looking for. It's the very thing that you need. Psalm 26 verse 8 says, I love your sanctuary, Lord, the place where your glorious presence dwells. Which leads us beautifully into the second picture that I think Psalm 23 paints for us. It's a picture of his presence. A picture of a place and a picture of his presence. This verse gives us the image of a dwelling in the presence of the Lord and abiding in his presence. And the psalmist, again, is passionate about this too. In Psalm 51, he says, Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. In the Old Testament, we can see this journey that the Lord is trying to take his people on. And the journey that he's trying to take his people on is a journey of understanding where it is that he dwells. We start by seeing him as a great big God up there of the universe, like high in the sky somewhere. And you see it often in the beginning stages of the Old Testament that that is how he is viewed by the people. But as we journey through the books of the Bible, we see that he actually moves us. And we see that his presence is often described as dwelling in like a tent 
or dwelling in the temple, and we see this picture of the Ark of the Covenant where the, where the presence of God dwells, and when the Ark moves, he moves, and as they move, they take the Ark with them, and so the, the presence of God also goes with them. But David the psalmist knew that the presence of God was a much more impersonal encounter. And he knows, he knows the Holy Spirit even before Jesus promises the Holy Spirit to the believers and they encounter him in the book of Acts by, Acts by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so there in the Old Testament, we're experiencing God who was once up there, but is now down here. And then Jesus came and Jesus changed it all because all of a sudden, the presence of God was not far off and it wasn't even in a temple or a dwelling place. No, it was all of a sudden, the presence of God was right there, right next to us, was walking alongside us. They call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus promised a game changer, the Holy Spirit, not just with us, but in us. And so God has gone from being high up in the sky to being with us to being in us. And this passage in Psalm 23, verse 6, I believe, is not just the psalmist saying that we are to dwell in the physical house of the Lord, but I believe that he is trying to encourage us to inhabit the presence of the Lord, that we would make our home in his presence and invite him to make his home in us. Now, I don't know if you know this, but Steve is, a, is really good to have in an emergency. He is really good in an emergency. Like, he is one of those people that always has an emergency escape plan of action. In fact, in his little sock there, he's got like a, he's got a weapon there. He's ready. And what have you got in your pouch? Oh, he's got a crunchy in his pouch. Okay. You're very prepared, very prepared for an emergency. But I can remember when we had a brand new baby. So Judah, our oldest, He's now 13, but at the time he was like six weeks old. He may have even been younger. And I think now I think, man, we were crazy to do this. But we had a friend who was celebrating a big birthday and it was on Waiheke. And so we took our tiny baby. We didn't know what we were doing. I had no idea. I took my tiny baby uh, across on the ferry to Waiheke. We got onto the ferry and we'd been sitting on the ferry for about 10 minutes. So it was like way out from land. And Steve turns to me and he said, hey, babe, what would you do if the boat sank? I was like, what do, you, what, what do you mean? Why are you saying that? What's wrong with the boat? What's going on? Why, why are you saying that to me? Why, why do you know? Because I don't know. I'm like, this is my tiny baby. I don't know what I'm doing. And now you're telling me the boat's going to sink? He's like, no, no, it's fine. But he said, you've, you've always got to have a, an emergency plan. He said, you've always got to know. And then he proceeded to unpack for me in detail how he would get myself and our baby to safety should the worst occur. And I realized in that moment, I had married the right man. <laughs> and I didn't ever want to be in an emergency situation without him, babe. If you don't go, I won't go. See, there is this moment that, G, that Moses has the same revelation about the presence of God when he's leading the Israelites. The Lord has led them out of Egypt and they are in this season of camping and moving and God says it's time, to camp, it's time to pick up camp and it's time to move and there's this conversation that Moses has with the Lord and it's in Exodus 33 verse 12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people but you have not 
let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me, but if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so that I might know and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replies, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses is saying, if you don't go, I don't go. If your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. And God promises that not only will his presence go with him, but that he will also give them rest. It is my experience that when I am committed to going nowhere without the presence of God, then I experience rest and peace and strength and restoration wherever I go. Surely goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And so I need him. I need him in my day. Look, I can't start my day without him because if he doesn't go, I don't go. I can't start my day without his presence. I don't want to because I don't want to do it without his rest. And I don't want to do it without his peace and his strength and his goodness and his mercy and his love Because if I try, then I'm doing it in my own strength. How many of you know what that feels like? When we enter into our day or our circumstance or our situation and we're doing it in our own strength, what ends up happening, I know we know this, is that we end up striving and we end up uh, straining and we end up responding out of fear and out of worry because we haven't got rest, because we're not walking in the presence of God. And so I need to go in his presence. It means I need to start my day in prayer inviting his presence to come and fill me, his Holy Spirit to come and fill me. It means when I enter into a meeting, I need to invite his Holy Spirit to come into that meeting with me. I need to have his wisdom there with me. And it means I need to include the Holy Spirit in my conversations because, uh, because we're, we're he, if he's not going in that conversation, then I don't want to go either. And in my speech and my reactions and my responses, and I need to invite the Holy Spirit into my decisions because if the Holy Spirit's not going with me, then I don't want to go either. And so I want him to be there in my struggles and in my difficulties because if the Lord doesn't go with me, then I don't want to go, Lord. I don't want to go. And so my question for all of us today is, are you inviting the Holy Spirit to be present with you in your day to day? It paints a picture for us of his presence. It paints a picture of a place. It paints a picture of his presence. Third and final thing, I'm going to get the keys to come and join me now. It paints a picture. It's a picture of his promise. A picture of his promise. The promise of eternity. The promise of eternity. See, here's what I have come to learn. The delights of the house of God that we experience here in the natural that we get to taste when the people of God come together and dwell in his presence, listen, they're just a foretaste. They're just a foretaste of what is to come in eternal glory. It's just a taste. Thinking again of the Israelites, they were rescued and redeemed out of Egypt to dwell with the Lord. That's why he rescued them to dwell with the Lord. Exodus 25, 8 says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. And Psalm 23, it's the same picture. The same picture as we see with the Israelites is what we see here in Psalm 23, except the analogy this time is a shepherd and his sheep. But this time the, the shepherd 
is leading his sheep. He's rescuing and redeeming them out of dark places, and he's leading them where? To dwell in his presence. And God has the same plan and the same heart for you and I today. Just as he redeemed his people out of Egypt to dwell with him, and just as the psalm describes that God as a shepherd rescues his sheep to dwell with him, so too does God redeem you out of your dark valleys, out of your sinful places, out of your brokenness, that we might dwell with him, dwell in his presence. But I need you to know today, it's not just a promise for now. It's a promise for eternity. It's a promise for eternity. See, the promises for now are but a blink, like a flash of the eye, like a they just go by so quickly in comparison to what he has for us in eternity. Like we think that salvation, we think that today, what we have today and the new life we find in him today is a great prize of our salvation. We think that's the bo- that the bonus of salvation is that we get to dwell in him here on earth. But can I tell you that scripture actually tells us that what we experience of his presence through the Holy Spirit today is simply a down payment of what we will get to experience of his presence in eternity. Wow. It says it in Hebrews. Hebrews 1 verse 14, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. It's just a taste. It's like the guarantee until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. It's saying you think what you've got now is good. You ain't seen nothing yet. You wait till you get to glory. For some of you here today, this message has been a good reminder of the importance of getting back into church, to the regular habit of getting to church every week. And for others, it's been a reminder to you of the power of inviting the presence of God to be part of and play a consistent role in your every single day. But for others of you today, and I believe that there are some of you here today, it has been a revelation to you that you have not yet received the guarantee of eternity through salvation through Jesus Christ on the cross. And I want to remind us again of the story we started with. Remember the flipping tables, Jesus? Remember that Jesus and how he responded with that fervent and ferocious desire for relationship and communion with all people from all nations, his fervent and ferocious desire to have a relationship with you. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed and online, I'm going to invite you as well. You can participate in this moment. This is a moment for you too. If you are here today and you do not know Jesus, or maybe today your life is far from him, I would love to invite you to pray a simple prayer in a few moments' time. The truth is God loves you, and he made you. And he has a great plan for your life. We all sin. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. And that sin, it separates us from God. But God in his grace sent his own son Jesus to die on a cross. And when he died, he took upon himself the payment what you and I would do for our sin, and he extends to every one of us today his grace. He extends it with an open hand, forgiveness for your past, new life for your today, 
and a hope for your future and an eternity with him in heaven. And if that is you today, if you do not know him, if you're saying, Bex, I do not have that guarantee of eternity, then I want to invite you right now to join me in praying this prayer. Online, I'm inviting you to join me in praying this prayer too. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it in your heart. We say these words. God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I have sinned, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life, and I turn to you. Come in, be the Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose from this day to live for you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I would absolutely love to know who it was that I prayed for today. I, I want to be able to, to pray for you. I want to be able to thank God for you, to pray his blessing over you. And so if you prayed that prayer, if you're watching online, if you prayed that prayer, there's a button you can click. It says, I raise my hand in the room. All I'm going to do is count to three. And on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand nice and high so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it. Then you can put it straight back down again. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three right now, and you can just lift your hand online. You can push that button. One, two, and three. You can lift your hand up now and say, yeah, Bex, thank you. Awesome, I see you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Amazing. Yes, thank you over here. Thank you to my left. Yes, on my right. Thank you. I see you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see you. Online, I see you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, can you count me in on that prayer? I prayed it. Two online. Thank you. I see you. Yes, down the back. I see you to my left. Anybody else? Three online. Thank you. I see you guys. Amazing. Amazing. You're saying yes to Jesus today incredible. God, I thank you for every single person who prayed that prayer. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the celebration right now that is happening in heaven, Father God, as loved ones come home to you. God, I thank you for the promise of new life today. Thank you that the hope that they can find in you. Thank you for the promise of eternity with you. And Jesus, I pray your blessing over them, your favor over them, Father God. Protect them and keep them. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, let's celebrate. Let's lift up our praise and thank God for his goodness today. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.